1: Saturday mornings come around again and it's time for Let's Talk Gardening.
0: And greetings gardening friends. We've got Bev Daring back. It's been a while. Lovely to have her back answering the phones and doing all the good things on the other side of the glass out there, as well as John Glidden looking after us. You might like to email. Our email is gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Big shout out to the dynamic duo, Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton. Chris, very energetic breakfast program this morning, I thought. Great music. Very, very motivated and certainly sets the sets the mood and the theme and the scene, I think, for the gardening programme. And a big cheers to the cycling lycra man, Jim Crinan and Jim will be back at ten AM with the classic seventies. Fayakara, you're busily writing away there?
2: I'm taking notes, pre- taking notes off. Preparing. Yes, yes. Just following up on the emails Ray.
0: okay we've had you've had a big week and another big week coming we've got so much to talk about we've got some great guests lined up and you're super excited more excited than normal
2: <laughs> oh well yes the the burrowing bees are going ballistic up in Carnarvon and Antoinette Roy posted a live video from the native bees Facebook page and it's had a post reach of, I think, 177,000 views. In other words, it's gone viral. So Mm -hmm. she'll be talking to us from Carnarvon and we will learn all about these bees. David Attenborough actually came here and filmed them. They happen in very few places around the world. Yes. And, wait, there's more, Ray. So we're taking a a road trip. As soon as the show finishes today... You're off. You and Bev with an, with uh, Kerry and Lynn are jumping in the car and we are heading north to see the bees. Fantastic. So, yes, I, I'm i very excited. Have you seen them before? I did, about three years ago. You were
0: looking for them, I remember that. Antoinette
2: mm. gave me the instructions of how to get there and, and I had uh, a gang with me of people that we travelled to Karajini and I said, well, I have to stop off and see these bees. And that morning, it was around 10 o'clock, it was cloudy, it was drizzly. And we get out to this uh, patch of road, it's mud dirt, there's a rail crossing, there's not a bee to be seen. And it was like, oh, and I just, I waited. And of course, everyone else is hovering around going, can we just go? Can we go? And, And then I heard a buzz, like it was a bzzz. And then another one, bzzz. And then it was like... The others all came running and then we're watching the holes in the dirt and these yeah. bees are coming up. Mm. Anyway, I'm not going to give away the story. No, no don't, don't but, do a spoiler. But since then I have wanted to get back and see the other stages but they, mm. they're just going crazy. And they are an amazing ph- phenomenon that we have here in Western Australia. Mm. So, yeah, I just want and to And people from around them the
0: them. world would, will come here to see it.
2: Well, they just might. They've got mm. to have their jabs first, Ray. They I heard. They sure
0: do. They sure do. Mm.
2: And we're,
0: our special guest this morning, mycologist Roz Hart. Now, a mycologist is a fungi specialist. Yes, that's correct. Basically, and Roz is joining us in the studio from twenty to nine, and that is going to be very interesting to have her with us as well. And we're also crossing to Trevor Gay. I hope we are throwing some flowers in there somewhere, Faye.
2: Well, just for you, Ray.
1: Thank yes, you. I, I know mean...
0: you, you put that in there to keep me happy. <laughs> so, uh, and it works. So thank you very, very much for that. Uh, we had Radiothon lunch last weekend, last Sunday, uh music of a lifetime we call it ray lunch of a lifetime and we had some lovely lovely listeners there as particularly to do with our gardening program we had Janice Pickett and Natalie Thomas Helen and Jim Selkirk there's a story there Louise Jones Chris McLennan Diane Adler and Jan Reese these were all gardening people who actually donated to Radiothon and then got pulled out of the hat and were able to join us for lunch last Sunday, which was absolutely lovely. We had a really pleasant day and thank you guys for coming along and sharing your time with us. We appreciated it.
2: It was a beautiful day and the food that the Grosvenor Hotel put on was just delightful. Grosvenor didn't miss a beat. They were
0: spot. On spot mm, it was on. lovely. Yep, absolutely. So it and was we better, fantastic. We'd
2: better say the story about Mr. Selkirk, Ray. Well, you go ahead because you remember. <laughs> it. I actually don't. So well, you're... what happened? I wore a floral red dress, and we were having photos, and Mr. Selkirk said, "Well, if you're going to come up and see our garden, you'd better wear that dress because it would match the boxall, which is a car." And I said, "My husband loves cars. I would have to bring him." So when it was time to go, I said to him, well, how am I going to contact you? And he gave me his card. And I looked at it and he'd already said that he was um, a woodwork teacher. And I went, oh, my goodness. Back in 1976, he would have been teaching at Corrine High School Mm -hmm. where Ray and I went to school. Yes. Can you believe that? It's like... 43, 45 years ago. No, I can't remember, I remember however I... I remember. And I went back through my reports. They weren't very glowing. Faye oh. would do better if she... Stopped talking? traded more. I think I used... Oh, definitely stop talking. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Funny <laughs> and, that. And hmm.
2: I don't know why, but I got to a school yesterday to give a talk and my voice wouldn't come out. Because you've had a virus thing this week. Mm. And and tell the listeners what you are wearing yesterday. <laughs> I wore a butterfly dress. Well, I had to. They they were dressing up, and I just pulled it out of the cupboard at the last minute because I, I know I look like a dag but the kids don't care. It's You're about a happy getting dag. getting mm. a message across to them yeah. that our insects are very important. Mm. And I I was so chuffed to be able to present to them photos that I've taken and tell them stories about what they might see in their gardens because they're the eyes of the future and these children were so interested. I came away feeling like I'd had a wonderful time but also there's hope for our future because these are the children that will be making decisions mm. about the future. Mm-hmm. So I hope I made a difference. But then on the way home, I... Oh, know,
0: this is the best bit.
2: There was a little dog walking down the side of the road. Berrigan drove, yeah, Drive. Dangerous. There were trucks and cars going everywhere. So I pulled over, got out of the car, called it. Fortunately, it came across happily before the truck came. Jeez, I had a heart oh, I know, attack. I know. And um, oh, very friendly. So I talked to it, made it sit, grabbed its collar, rang the owner. And then realised what I was wearing and I thought, oh my goodness, there I am standing American on the side Drive. of American Drive looking like a butterfly. butterfly. A dog.
0: <laughs> it's okay. Oh dear. We understand. No, I love it. 94841927. Lots to talk about this morning. Taking all your general gardening inquiries as always and we've got some emails to plough through and you've brought in some gorgeous camellias here as well. I a lovely did. posy. Oh,
2: after I'd done all my work this week, computer and posts and show organising, I got out to do a bit of tidying up because we're leaving from my place today. So I had to do that. Ah, people are coming over thing and do a little bit of a spritz. So I got to wander around the garden and the camellias are just going nuts at the moment that mm. extra rain yeah. they've put in put on lots of blooms and i've brought you two different ones right these are oh, probably 30 odd years old exactly. and growing above the height of the shed and they they don't take any Anything. extra care they're yeah. on retic uh they get a bit of shade from the gum trees i throw a bit of fertilizer at them when i think about it yeah and look and, what you get and the f- foliage is just beautiful so if I go back and and do a trim along the the pathway I get all this beautiful new foliage so they're great in flower arrangements too. Oh definitely Mm. so I, I love
0: the foliage that
2: glossy green leaf is just superb. All right I also fortunately today this morning Eddie checked the letterbox and we received an email from Ez Pashley she's the secretary of the Camellia Society so thanks for that is and i think that lucy probably passed this on because lucy is in the fern society and i know she was looking to contact me before she went into hospital so lucy i hope you're doing well the open camellia gardens coming up saturday the 21st and sunday the 22nd of august there's one in at 21 Beachborough Road South in Bayswater from 10 to 4 on the Saturday and 10 to 3 on the Sunday. Mm. Now, note your diaries. Sunday the 12th of September, Tranquil Waters is open in Rollystone from 10 to 4 and that is 24 a run away.
0: Yes. So just
2: just note that. If you're not sure of the details, you can always go back and re-listen to the podcast. You can. Mm. And that's by going to
0: curtainfm.com.au, and that'll take you to the front page. On the top left hand corner, it says programs. Click on their drop down bar and click on Let's Talk Gardening, and away you go. It's going mm-hmm. to take you to where you need to be.
2: John also puts a post up in the afternoons on the Let's Talk Gardening Facebook page. Yes. And that is a, another easy way for people to get to, to it. To
0: access it as well by going to the Curtain Radio Facebook page. Mm.
2: Now, if you're interested in looking at tulips, I know Araluen Mm. is opening up next weekend for their tulip festival, but you can go, of course, at any time. Also, Ron Ferguson's planted tulips on Baronia Road in Banjap are out now. So that is certainly worth a look. You can just drive down the road and, and view them on the verge. So yeah, that also is a must and you,
0: you, Yeah, you have recommended that Oh, highly. highly. It's um,
2: just amazing. It's a credit to him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so much to see and do out there. We are blessed with some beautiful weather, make the most of it. It's uh, it's absolutely beautiful out there.
2: And there's even more, Ray. So this weekend, the Southeastern Orchid Society are having their annual show and state championship. So that's today and tomorrow. It is the 14th today, it isn't is it? It its the 14th huh. today. Uh, uh, hosts there include the Amanda Young Foundation Ian Beeson the Bee Man Jewel Cut secutors, Kim Lines Pottery, Solitaire African Violets, the Fern Society are there, there's Orchids Orchid Up, Orchids are there and th- yes certainly that's one to get along to, that's I'm pretty sure that's the Cannington Exhibition Centre, it doesn't say on this flyer mm-hmm. Okay it's on, it's happening? Yes, yep, it's on this weekend. Mm. Uh, We might just double check that to be sure. And next weekend, Northern Suburbs Branch of the Wildflower Society have an open day and that's Saturday the 21st of August from 9 to 12 at Lansdale Farm, which is on the corner of Hepburn, Ave and Evandale Road. So native plants, cuttings, seeds grafting and potting up demonstrations. So a lot to do there.
0: Yeah. Okay, so so much going on out there. Yeah. It's hard the world to is up, everyone's oyster it? right now in the gardening industry. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. how is your garden looking?
2: Uh, it looks a little bit weedy. Uh, mm-hmm. but Well,
0: they're loving this rain, but right? But you
2: know what? You know, in years gone past, I've planted and I've mulched in between... Each year, the weeds are less and less. Mm. And like Kate said, if you go around and you cut them off at the neck, uh, then you you stop them growing. And mm. a lot of what it, where Spreading. I've got bare spaces, I can just go and I can mow them down and I just keep mowing them down. Where they're in between, it's a little bit more fiddly and it takes time. So I am starting at the back door and working my way out. Yeah. It, it's a bit weedy, but there's so much colour. I'm just... Mm. I'm amazed at how much is still happening in the garden, considering the, of the cold, wet winter. And last night I was out tidying up the patio that I want to look like a florist shop. <laughs> and I thought, oh, crikey, I'm going to have to water these plants before I go away. Because yeah. I don't think they'll survive three days. They're already a bit dry and I've only been watering them weekly Same. with a and watering I, can.
0: Yeah, And
2: yeah. then I just ducked inside and heard the forecast was 5 degrees overnight and mm. i just thought i can't water them now i i know that they mm. won't like that to be cold and wet overnight so i was out there at quarter to 7 watering In all step. my plants rain. yeah of course yeah and it looks fantastic i've got photos to put up oh beautiful no i was saying
0: i think that You've got to be mindful that plants that are under cover, we tend to, I was walking around yesterday and I was thinking, oh, things are really dry here. I'm going to have to, and it was probably about a week ago that I watered, but Mm. it's surprising. I think that wind does a lot of drying
2: out as well. Well, and the potting mix can shrink too. It shrinks in the pot. you know, I wouldn't encourage a lot of repotting just yet. I Moment. think we need a bit more warmer Warmth, weather. Yeah, uh, and I know Trevor's going to talk about this. It's we're having a taste of it, but we're not over winter yet. It's going to bounce around a bit. Absolutely, that's why they call it spring. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> very, very clever. All right. Well, coming up shortly, we will be chatting with Antoinette Rowe. Uh, with regard to the Dawson's burrowing bees. And she's going to explain the, the phenomena that is the burrowing bees and uh, what is so special about them. Cannot wait for that. We'll be back in a moment.
3: Radio.
0: 22 minutes after 8, you are listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. And we do have Antoinette Rowe online. And we're talking about... Dawson's Burrowing Bees. Good morning, Antoinette. You're with Ray
2: and Faye. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. And you're joining us from Carnarvon, aren't you? Yes. Oh. Yes, that's right. What's it like up there today, Antoinette?
4: Um, it's very cold in early in the morning and mm. at night, but beautiful daytime. Praise.
2: Oh. And I know I was up there three years ago. You gave fantastic directions and I got my first sightings of the the burrowing bees which were just amazing and ever since I've been wanting to get back there so tell tell the listeners just just everything you know about them
4: everything I know about them
2: <laughs> in a uh, nutshell
4: okay. <laughs> yes um so these big Um, Hairy bees, (laughs) they're furry, very furry, are found in the clay plants in the Gascoyne. Um, Apparently nowhere else in the world. Mm. One of the largest um, bee species. Um, They are so remarkable that they featured in David Attenborough's life series a number number of years ago.
0: Because they're little fatties, aren't they? They're quite big. Yes, in yes. size, and they're yeah. not little. No,
2: and they're they, quite loud. They
0: call them little. Mm. <laughs> yes, they are. Um, so, what
2: sorry, happens I, each
4: year? Uh, each year, they just um, if I just if I just say um, what I know,
2: okay,
4: um, then you might get an idea of of that. So. Um, the burrowing bee is also known as Mugadgura or sometimes Jirabadi in the Yingada language, which is from the Gascoyne region. Uh, the bees' larvae are a source of sweet food for Aboriginal people, many of whom speak with reverence about the bee and with fondness for the food it gives them. The bees are a delicacy to the Aboriginal people of the Gascoyne. After a month or two, they will dig them up, cook them in their mud capsule in an open fire, knock the top off the capsule and eat them.
0: Wow. Mm.
4: Eat the grub, not the bee. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, So the honey makes them sweet and buttery. So I quote because we do have a um, film in the exhibition in the Aboriginal Cultural Centre here which I had the privilege to go out with my elders. Wow. Um, she quieted. They taste better than a lolly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep. And better for you, I guess.
4: <laughs> yes, yes. So, yeah, they're one of the largest and handsomest of Australia's native bee species. Um, they make their annual appearance in and around Carnarvon uh during the months of July to September yeah. when their when forage plants, the poverty bush and the bluebells are in bloom. And the bluebells are really going off this year because we've had so much rain.
3: Mm.
4: Yeah, so there's no queen. Um, they don't live in colonies, but they do form large aggregations. Mm. With thousands of bees making individual nest burrows.
0: And why do why do they burrow into the ground, Antoinette? Got me beat. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too sure. Why they do why they do it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's mm. interesting to watch uh on on your video that you took and there's just thousands of them burrowing. They're just so busy and active. So yeah, in July
2: yeah. they start coming out right. and the males are buzzing around to mate with them. Mm. And yep. that that started in July. So are, are the females still emerging now? Um or some maybe?
4: Yeah, 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 there are. Um the ones the females that you see flying around have already mated. So they only mate once and then that's it.
2: And then, do you know how many uh, burrows they make with their to for their offspring? Is there um, one per cell?
4: Yeah, or? yeah, one one okay. per, per female. arm. Um, she so can lay up it. to seven eggs.
2: So, in different mm. holes, different nests.
4: I guess so. Yeah, I okay. haven't. I need to study them a little bit more. On and their
2: so little is aquarium. known about our beasts. Is it a busier year, like, with the amount yeah. of activity there this year? Is that what you saw last year?
4: No, not as much. Um, like, where I showed you a couple, uh, a couple of years ago, Yes, there's not as many there. Okay. But where I took the video was
2: mm.
4: um, there is
0: heaps. Mm. And they don't really sting or anything, Antoinette? Um, No, they're harmless. Um, Although the female,
4: if you pick her up, but good luck in trying to catch her. Yeah, Yeah, she may sting you.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. And they don't collect honey.
4: Uh, They do collect honey for their burrows. Right. Um, Just put the... The honey in the burrows for the larvae to feed off. Mm.
2: Now I have an interesting question because I know that many of our male bees roost at night. do Do you know anything about that?
4: Yes, the females um at night the females will go into the burrows and have their nap, and the um, males will just. Roost on the trees and, um, yeah, so oh, the
2: foliage mm. around. Have you been yeah. out and seen that?
4: Not yet, not oh. night. Oh, no, haven't. do you want
2: to come out with us tomorrow night?
4: <laughs> um, tomorrow, oh, yeah, yeah, I can tomorrow night, yeah.
2: Well, all right, well, we'll be in contact about that anyway because we're leaving after the show today, heading up, and we'll be up there Sunday afternoon to check them all out. It, it's just amazing. I can't wait to see them again. And have you had much more um, interest from people wanting to see the bees, Antoinette?
4: Um, Because we have a cultural centre, we have heaps of tourists coming in and they go in to see the Interpretive Exhibition, which has got information and videos and stuff about the um, five language groups in the Gascoigne area. Mm -hmm. Uh, They all come out just so amazed with the bee haven't yeah. seen anything like that before and yeah. so during the season we just um, it's got a map um, we just send them down to see the bees and some come back with photos or tag our centre on Facebook and yeah so it's
2: good oh it's wonderful and you know I think if it wasn't for you this information wouldn't be available so I for one yeah. am very grateful
4: yes And I'm so passionate about them, I will try and protect them as much as I can.
2: Oh, good on you. And I believe you wrote about them, wrote an article that was published? Um, Yeah, after I
4: went out with my elders and done the film that is in the centre, this was in 2011, I just wrote about my experiences going out with my elders and um I just done a little book and it's just been sitting there for for years. <laughs> mm. Um it's not an actual book, it's just a, a piece in the book that uh they were raising money for the bushfires over east and they've just got like different animals. Mm.
2: And what was the title of the book or where where could people find out about that? Do you know?
4: Um, it's called Animals Make Us Human.
2: Mm, that sounds nice. It does.
4: Um, you can get it off online, um, Penguin, or we do sell them in the centre.
2: Okay. All right. And uh, the little video that you made. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, we, my we've had... goodness. <laughs> so... You must have been run off your feet since, other than chasing bees, because I know you took a school group out there yesterday. But have you had lots of contacts from people wanting more information or interviews and whatnot? Um, Yes. I have <laughs> I don't doubt it Because uh, let me tell you everybody Antoinette posted this video on the Native Bees Facebook page And she was live from the spot where these bees were zooming around And coming out of the clay pan in the road It's had 41,000 views A post reach of 179,000 And shares of 1,400 That's just Huge Off the radar It's gone all around it? the world hmm
3: Yeah.
2: Oh, I didn't expect it to go that bad. Well, who would think? Yeah. No, it's amazing. So yes, you've certainly uh, lifted the lid and raised the the awareness. Well done (laughs) on the
0: Dawson's burrowing bees. So yeah, it'll be uh, people. They'll be trying to get up to see them if they can. Yes. Yes.
2: All right. Well, thank you very much for your time today, and uh, see you tomorrow.
0: No worries. You're welcome. Okay. okay. Good. Bye. Take care. Cheers for that. All right. Sounds very, very interesting. Such a it's, unusual phenomenon. And if you do have a look at the, the video on, if people want to get to that video, where do they go?
2: Uh, the best place is the Native Bees of Western Australia Facebook page. Native Bees
0: of Western Australia Facebook mm. page. And they can find it there. They yeah, can. It's a yep, hype she, of activity, to she, say the very she least. She
2: went out with her phone. Yeah uh hopped on to the group and just pressed mm. go live mm. and recorded this very natural video mm. showing the activity of the bees mm. and mm. it it was phenomenal and it just people started sharing it got shared to the wildflower society mm. the WA gardeners page mm. uh and what's their main purpose do we know because the, they're well, different the purpose of the bees yeah mm. Well, they're certainly pollinators. Yeah. But, yes. But yes. Any insect isn't there particularly just for us. Mm. Uh, the fact that they they create burrows in a clay pan could also have an effect in changing the makeup. It's maybe a bit like, and I'm only guessing here, but bandicoots burrow and mm. change. They create bioturbation. Maybe there's something along those lines. Mm, when the bees mm, come out, it mm. leaves these pockets in the road. Yeah, no, I'd so like that, to that like can know more. Water or yeah. air? Uh, whether Why they do what is, they do? Whether mm. there is any benefit to us? Yeah, is neither here nor there. Yeah. No, I wasn't the, saying benefit mm. to us.
0: I'm saying what's their purpose? Why what, their existence? What are they all about?
2: <laughs> mm. I know
0: they're pollinators. Yeah, and so that we're never likely to get them closer down to Perth.
2: There there was somewhere last year that was closer to Perth uh, out in a similar type remote mm. area. Mm. I, I don't remember where it was, yeah. but yeah. they are certainly unique to Western Australia. And that to me is one of... Oh, I think at this time, because people can't travel, mm. realising more about what we've got here. So much to explore in your own state. Here, yeah. And we actually can't go elsewhere and find some of these things. Yeah. We just don't know how lucky we are and Correct. how important it is to protect them. So mm. I think those stories from from people like Antoinette are really important.
0: And coming up shortly, Ros Hart will be joining us in the studio. Ros
2: Hart is a mycologist. And explain her visit today, what that's all about. <laughs> well, I was on a fungi hunt up in Kings Park with her a couple of weeks ago, and we've... We've had extraordinary rains this year and it's created an absolutely bumper fungi season. I know there's been a lot of new keen members posting on the Fungi of Western Australia Facebook page where people are sharing their sightings. So we've seen a lot of fungi that we haven't seen around before. So Once again, it's all about sharing, uh, raising awareness, uh, the the benefit and dispelling the fear because everybody will see fungi in their garden. It'll pop up in the pot plants or on their lawn. Mm. There is beneficial fungi and so understanding why that's important, how to look after it, how not to nuke it. Like Mm. if you're thinking about using sprays, um, Um, lime sulphur spray or copper sprays. These can have a harmful effect on microorganisms in the soil. So just being aware so that you can make an informed decision about what you're doing in your gardens. All right, and last
0: week I tried to play us a song and I couldn't get it to fire. John has done a new CD for me so I'm going to press that button and take no responsibility if it doesn't work. And uh, yeah so uh, the title of the song There's a Fungus Among Us Let's, Let's give it a whirl Fingers
2: crossed No There's a Fungus Among Us No it just doesn't fire doesn't a rumble like, in the jungle.
0: I, it doesn't like burnt CDs. That's oh, the problem. Okay. a shame. So, yeah, absolutely. It's abs- just simply not moving in there. So uh, I blame myself last week, but I do everything that I always do, and it's just simply not firing. So I'm not taking responsibility this week for it. No. Nope. I've tried. You, you absolutely
2: did try. Okay. Emails. Okay. Yes. Now, oh, there was one sent in here by Bill Many thanks to you and Kate Wall. I will be collecting my working with weeds on Tuesday morning. So he felt he needed to share a photo of his mother-in-law's tongue, which he has at the front door. Oh, yes. Hopefully you can see what I see in the middle of the picture. A face, my wife says, is a grumpy gnome. So, yes, I too can see it, Bill. And and just maybe we could actually get John to post this picture on the Let's Talk Gardening Facebook group uh, so see, that, I can see the, a dog's face a well puppy. That, that doesn't <laughs> surprise me Ray because you're a dog lover yes yes mm.
0: that's what I see but yeah very very clever
2: now Teresa has sent us in a photo and says thanks for the great show I'm shortly moving into a new acreage property in Bannister uh, near Boddington The house is very bare and needs some softening but i don't want to plant trees as i don't want to block the view from the north facing front windows and prefer to have the area around the house clear for bushfire safety she'd like to plant some creepers on the pillars at the front of the house something hardy that i don't have to look after very much well pink buttered jasmine is just performing now and that doesn't need a lot of care at all. The fragrance is just beautiful and I can imagine it wafting through the, the front windows of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, honeysuckle is also lovely, as she suggested, but she's read that you have to be careful which varieties of honeysuckle you choose as they can run rampant. And what do you suggest? Any other suggestions? Teresa, I know that this is a really big task to have a property with with bare area around it. And we, on our four-acre property, have a house and we cleared some area for sheds and different things. The places I would go looking for inspiration uh, would be other open gardens and yeah. their season kicks off in a couple of weeks. Very soon. Mm. When we were moving to our place, I visited City Farm mm. and looked at the animals and the layout and the setup and I worked out what sort of gardener I was and what I wanted on the property. I read books on permaculture for example from Ross Mars and understood more about zoning. One of the things that I've learned is very important is access. You want access for all sorts of things. When you you put down a pathway don't just make it wide enough for you to walk make it wide enough that two of you can walk side by side when you're showing someone around the garden that will also allow you to uh take down your barrel load of prunings which might spill out both sides and Mm. catch on everything Uh, or you ride on mower because the bigger your property is the bigger your equipment is Mm. you might have a small tractor or a digger so make sure that you've got access for all those sorts of things if you bring in mulch, you want a utility area that that you can use as a dumping ground that isn't in sight of the house, um, and also looking out from each of the windows through the garden club. We've visited many many gardens over the year, years, and one home we went to had an actual vista from every room in the house. It was framed, and it was, it was yeah. You you're looking at a vista out the window. It's framed, but it works with the rest of the garden. Mm. I also visited workshops like Heavenly Hectares and, you know, I just, I built up an idea of what I wanted. I would also, if you're not so sure about what you're doing, get in someone who can give you their experience and put you on the right track before you invest money in in your hardscaping and your retic because mm. it's a huge job. It is. Mm. It is. Talk to people with experience. I hope that helps. Yeah. Um, bushfire, retardant trees, Xanthria nursery certainly have a list and that would be worth following up as well. A good starting point. Mm.
0: Okay, now 94841927. When we return, Ros Hart will hopefully be joining us in the studio. We appreciate your company this morning. You are with Ray and Faye and special guest in the studio with us this morning, Ros Hart. Good morning. Thank you for trekking in and pull that microphone nice and close. Oh, good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good. It's hard not to be in this beautiful weather, right? The sun's shining. It's just so lovely. Yes, indeed. And... We've got a special song
2: for you, Roz, Very and nice. uh, we've
0: actually worked out as, as another button to push and let's. Shall we have a go at this? Please do. Oh my thank goodness, you, this Chris. will be our fourth fourth crack at it. There's a fungus among us. Let's see if we can <laughs> take, give take, it. Take that off cue. Give it a whirl. We've got Chris here helping us. Yes, out. thank goodness.
5: Ready?
0: Yep, go. And
2: your marks. Is it running? Get set.
0: Well, if that doesn't put you in the mood for fungi, nothing will. We made it. We did it. They picked this song out uh, weeks ago and, uh, yeah, we just – I love the beat. I I think it's groovy. It's absolutely – you could dance to that.
2: Well, we did. Yeah, (laughs) they did, certainly,
0: (laughs) jumping up and down. So so finally, finally success. So I hope people enjoyed it. It was a copy off YouTube. We realised the quality wasn't very great, but the beat is there and we've got the moves in here.
2: How awesome was that? Well, there you go, Roz. We had three failed attempts, but you're here and the song played.
6: Three is the right amount. Yes, yeah,
2: perfect. For sure. So you're in here today because I think I, I would love to hear more about this season's fungi. And it was a bumper season, wasn't it? It was wonderfully
6: wet. I haven't seen the woods so wet through for about twenty years. Oh, wow. So it was an amazing season to have.
2: Oh, so, so what was different this year? What what sort of things appeared?
6: Ah, uh, well that's that's a bit of a challenge. There so were just more of them. Um, lots of things mm-hmm. that we regularly see, but some that we, some new species, like new species do turn up all the time. We think that we only know about 10% of the fungi that they are.
3: Oh, and right. you
6: asked me to look up some numbers. So I talked to Neil Bowger, Dr. Neil, Neil Bowger, who we think should be our state mycologist. And he has in a book on fungi of Kings Park and Ball Park, and it's only Kings Park and Ball Park, but that includes a lot of things found in the metro area. He's got 601 named fungi so wow, far. Wow,
2: 601.
6: And on the atlas of Living Australia, where we've been putting fungi in, particularly through FungiMAP for the last two years only, we've got 575. Wow. Yes. Can so you explain
0: really uh, FungiMAP and Fungi for Land to the listeners, what that actually means? Mm. Okay. Well, FungiMAP,
6: as its name says, is an Australia-wide organisation because in 1995, the mycologist Tom May at um, um, Herbarium Victoria realised that... Um, he had to work out how many fungi there were. And people asked him, and he said he had no idea whatsoever. So he got his local naturalist to start looking for him. So that's where Fungi Map started. Okay. So now Fungi Map is now an Australia-wide organisation with people out looking, mapping the fungi. Because the politicians tell us that they're irrelevant unless they know the numbers. Oh, okay. So we need people to help us take photographs, and we take photographs, and then we will... If they can be named, we will. otherwise we'll have to put them in the, the pile for mycologists to work out what they are. But we're now getting much, much better idea of the diversity of fungi that we have in Australia. Mm. and it is huge, absolutely huge.
2: So fungi map is a database. Of everything across Australia? It's an educational
6: kind of... system plus a database. Okay. We want, want to teach people and raise awareness of fungi. So we're collecting the data, but on the way to collect the data, we're taking people out, looking at fungi, teaching them about how fungi matter and teaching them how to use fungi on their land.
2: Ah, oh, okay. So where can people find out more about that? Where, where we do have they a website. Go? A website, yes. okay. So if
6: you just look up Fungimap, fungimap.org.au, So, um, and there's a lot of really interesting information on that website about things that we do, um, places you can go, but it's not so much events because that's down to the local level, whereas FungiMap is representing fungi in Australia, fungi conservation. Fungi conservation is very, very important that somebody sticks up for the fungi Mm. and that's what FungiMap is doing. But we have realised on the way to sticking up for them, we've got to let the politicians know that they are there and that they matter and we need people's help. Citizen Mm. scientists to help us do that.
2: Yeah. So are there fungi, so if there's 601 species, are there fungi that are only found in southwest Western Australia, do we know? Well, like wild it's plants? interesting
6: that you should have asked me that. I've had a very exciting last week. Oh. Because in June we were down in Kingsley um, Dixon's property down at Waruna, Yes. And we found a really unusual yellow cut Um, But it has spongy bits underneath, so it looked like a bowl each. And Neil got quite excited about this and said, oh, I think that's the one that we have just named. Roy and I have just named this as a new species, and it only seems to be found in southwest Western Australia. Now, the name isn't even current on iNaturalist. It's that new, the the paper hasn't quite come out yet. So yes, we do have fungi only found here. But it's not very common to have rare fungi. But Mm. until we know what we've got, we don't know what's rare. So that's part of, That's one of the reasons FungiMap started, was to
2: say, what's rare and what's common? We don't even mm-hmm. know. Okay. So um, do we think that most of our fungi are cosmopolitan in other words found all over the world? Now that
6: depends on what the fungi's role is okay. in the environment so and that's a very interesting question and a very important point because fungi spores like orchid spores are so tiny that they float up around in the stratosphere and they're resistant mm-hmm. enough that they can survive that for a so we're not sure how long but they can survive for some lengths of time so they float around in the stratosphere and they fall all over the world now yep. decomposer fungi can find wood anywhere so decomposer fungi, which are the original recyclers and have been doing this since time immemorial, they can go anywhere. So wherever there's wood, they can they can survive. Okay, so so we've got
2: one lot that are decomposers. Yes, so they're the recyclers.
6: The decomposers are the
0: recyclers. All
2: right, we'll pick that up. I think we have to have a we break and we'll pick that up on the on other, the other side. side.
0: Okay, thank you. Curtain Radio. Six minutes to nine. We will be crossing to the news at 9 a.m. Special guest in the studio with us this morning, mycologist Roz Hart, and of course, Faye Caro. And it'd be great to get some phone calls 94841927. And shortly, we'll be chatting with Trevor Gale from
2: Sunnyvale Wholesale Nursery. So, Ros, you've, you've told us about decomposers and they're, they're looking for wood all around the world. Well, anything made of lignin
6: and woody material, so paper also, which we make from wood. Yep. So that sort of thing, yes. Okay.
2: And so what, what other types of fungi are there?
6: We have the mates, the mycorrhizal mates. fungi. <clears throat> and they're the ones that are the mates, the friends to the plants.
2: Okay. And they're quite misunderstood or not a lot is known about them by our gardeners. Well,
6: that's what we're trying to, to make root people realise the importance of fungi in their garden. They're actually helping your plants. They're their mates, mm. they're friends. And how do they do that? Ah, underground. They, oh. They're, they're, they're like an extension of the plant's root. We call them micro-exploring machines. So they marry up with the plant's roots and then they extend how far the plant's roots can go. So that they um, will give water and nutrients and all sorts of minerals to the plants that they can't get themselves. So obviously they can get some water themselves, but when they've got their mates with them, they can get a lot more water. So what don't they like? Digging, or Well, if you dig them, you break up their mycorrhizal because they've yeah. got tiny, tiny threads in the soil. Okay. So in the 70s, there was a fashion called no-dig gardening, which mm. yes. made a lot of sense to us because it's a lot less work for us, so mm. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you? But the basis of no-dig gardening is you're not breaking up the mycorrhizal of the plants. Mm. I mean, forests have animals that dig in them, but they dig to find the food, and the food that they're looking for is usually truffles, which are fungi that are asking them to come down, dig them up, and then spread their spores around. Mm. So when you... What you need to do is look back at the forest. What happens in the forest? That's what we should be emulating. So we can do little scruffling, little diggings, but not, you know, huge ploughing like we do with tractors and things like yeah. that because yeah. that's just tearing apart the mycorrhiza and mm.
2: sets them back a long way. And what about sprays that people might be using in their garden? Fungicides, for example?
6: Not a good idea. Mm. You know,
2: let the... Um, insects
6: do things for you. Learn to recognise like these girls. Lady <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ladybird larvae are the strangest things to do. Look the slightest bit like ladybirds. And yes. They're your friends. They look yes. like little tiny dinosaurs. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. So True. you know, literally, And I mean, children are so good with their sharp eyes at spotting these things and mm. finding these things in the garden. There's a lot of good things in the garden. You shouldn't need to spray your garden at all. I mean, mm. it might be the spray from the hose that you put really high up to get rid of chilli thrips because we're all a bit worried about them coming back after the last. We, we year. are <laughs> yes. yes. So and you can sh- squirt off aphids, or you can squash them with your fingers if you're game. But you don't need to use sprays at all. Mm. You really don't. Use the friendly mm. things in your garden.
2: No.
0: Explain to me what your days consist of. What's a normal day for you? A week in what you do? Well, I have two golden retrievers, so the they first take thing up we a do- good of your time, they do. So oh, I, I have know. to walk
6: them first of all in the yes. morning. So that gives me my exercise. Good. But at the moment, I'm working with my friend Saffa mcmullen Fisher, writing a book called Fungi with Land. Brilliant. So there's a fair bit of sitting at the computer. Yeah. So Sophie has her bed
0: right next to me. Yes. And after an hour or two, she'll come and bump me on the elbow and, and say, okay, that's time for a break. That's time enough. For... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My little girl does that as well. Yeah. yeah. Comes and pushes me. Exactly. Yeah. Pushes your says, That's yeah. too long sitting down Absolutely. still. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and I have three lovely grandchildren.
6: So two days a week, I do look after... From so one family that's, and kids from the other yeah, family. Yeah, that's a
0: big demand. Yes. yes,
6: yeah, and the four-year-olds and the eight-year-old are very good at finding insects in the garden with me. Brilliant. They love going in the garden and finding oh. things. So, and Owen's a bit small. He's only just turned one. So, yeah. but he's on the he's on the <laughs> the can line for learning all these things. Can he walk? And, <laughs> mm-hmm. Not just not just yet. He's he's cruising, but he's not walking yet. So,
2: mm. so we've got decomposers and mates. What about? The bad we also guys. have disease
6: fungi because does mm. it? Fungi have a bad rap for a reason because yep. people only ever saw. That's the fact one of my that, questions. Hey, that tree died. It was a fungal disease. Yeah, therefore it died. Mm. So that's the effect that we see from fungi. So uh, the rest of the stuff they do is often invisible. We just take it for granted. We don't know. But when a tree drops dead, you go, Oh, that's not
1: good. Mm.
6: What caused? Fungus that? killed it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's identifying what's what. It is, that's right. Mm. And the trouble is that the biggest problem we have in Western Australia is with armillaria, and that is a native fungus that has gone awry because so we have chopped down armillaria.
0: Armillaria.
6: Honey fungus is its... Common name. Common name, which sounds perfectly harmless, doesn't it? does oh. sound very harmless. Yes, but it's, it's not. Now, it doesn't kill things instantly, dramatically. It can take 50 years to kill a tree, oh. but it can kill... Large, big tuet trees, which mm. is really sad because mm. we don't have enough of those.
2: And mm. people could quite easily see that,
6: couldn't they? Oh, because in Kings Park at the <coughs> Pioneer, excuse me, <coughs> Pioneer Women's Memorial. There's been huge amounts of it mm. this year, and there is most years.
2: And people are noticing it. It actually looks fantastic. It's it a does, beautiful
6: looking fungus.
2: It does raise awareness, mm. doesn't it? It kind of they're of course, the fruiting bodies, and yes. they come out at the the appropriate fruiting time, time of the year. which is when it's cold and wet. Yes. And it, look, it's
6: just like an apple tree. The apple tree is there all year round. The fungi are there all year round underground and they put up their fruit at the fruiting season, just like apples on the tree. And the same as apples on the tree, if you take them off the tree, you are not killing the fungus. So it's this way of spreading its seed and for fungi, the seed are called spores. Mm,
0: okay. All right, you two chatterboxes. It is time for the 9am <laughs> news. It's already jumped up to 11.4 degrees, heading for a maximum today of a sunny 20. And tomorrow, the maximum will be 22. It will be sunny. And on Monday, the maximum will be 24 and sunny also. And our rainfall figures are around here somewhere. I've I've mislaid them for the moment, but I'll I'll read them to you as soon as I find them. Sorry about that. I've got papers (laughs) going in all directions here. Okay, back to you two.
2: Okay. uh, Now, we have received an... Email or
0: you go, Ray. Oh, okay. Well, for August at the moment, we're sitting at 32.2 mils, and for the year, 630.8 mils. So, 32.2 mils so far for August. I'm sure we're going to increase on that. There's rain forecast later in the week of next week. And yes, we do have Trevor Gay online. Would we? Like to cross to him right now. To Trevor. Trevor. Let's speak to Trev from Sunnyvale Wholesale Nursery. Hi, Trevor, how are you?
5: Oh, good morning. I'm very, very well. Thank you. Okay, yeah.
0: You're with and Fay and our special guest this morning, Roz, Roz Hart, as good, well.
5: Good, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good
2: morning. <laughs> Trevor, I know you're a busy man. <laughs> Spring is just around the corner, and we it were is. talking the other day about. What's happening now? What's coming into the nursery, and and what should people be doing? So I've put on my sheet that you're you're going to give us tips and tricks on what people should do now.
5: <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, well, basically, um, obviously, with our, our beautiful uh, July rainfall that we, that we had, it's. Um, didn't have as much time to get out in the garden, so uh, effectively uh, as I drove out my driveway this morning, looked across my green garden beds, but the problem is I're green with weeds mm-hmm. so uh, <laughs> mm. I mean, uh, one uh, one issue there so right at the moment uh, and, and obviously we can take uh, take uh, advantage of this beautiful weather we are going to get over the weekend yes um, i think the the first thing we need people need to do is is remove the the big weeds first, um, <clears throat> definitely before they before they go to seed, and then start preparing the garden beds ready for for planting uh, the, the spring annuals and uh, vegetables. Um, and I think in doing that, uh, if anybody, if you're adding your your animal manures for example um, or soil improvers in, and then dig it in, dig, dig your soil over well and get some oxygen into that soil. Which will be uh, very beneficial for uh, early root development on uh, on on annuals. So, and, and plus the fact the animal manures need at least a week, up to two weeks. To start to break down, um, which which will make it more beneficial for the uh, for the young seedlings anyway. So that's that's pretty much the first thing to do.
0: Prepping, um, yes,
5: mm. yeah, and and basically with these really real small weeds, once they're dug over and dug in, they you, they're going most of them are going to die anyway. You'll get a few crop up here and there, but uh, that's that's the key thing to do to start with. Um, is is in the preparation side of things. Yeah. Now. So?
2: Well, some of us have got to tidy up our gardens ready for visitors and events coming in <laughs> spring. What can you recommend to pretty up the garden where where the roses are pruned and not doing very much at the moment?
5: Actually, ideal thing for roses even now would be, where well, there's still panes and violas are still quite yeah. we're, yeah. we're We're sort of that sort of late winter, but... The way I I sort of feel that uh, spring's going to happen this year is that we're going to still get probably some good rains through to about the end of October.
0: Hope so. Um, mm.
5: Yeah, we we hope so. It's we, we, been a long time coming. So, mm. uh, um, and violas in particular yeah. will will not only do they come to flower fairly quickly, but because they have the small flower, they have multiple flowers mm-hmm. as well. Um, and and we call them sort of. To a point, self-cleaning. To a mm. to a point in the in the sense because the flowers are smaller. When the older flowers um, die and shrivel, you've got new ones coming up pretty much over the top of them. Yes. And also, violas are amazingly um, uh, sort of warmth resistant I won't say heat, but warmth resistance and if the, if we get a, a coolish type spring, and I'm talking about right through to, to November, they will last.
0: They'll hang in there, won't time. they?
5: Yeah. yeah, they will. they definitely hang in there mm. and so for um, and, and plus the fact they, come, they start to come to flower pretty pretty quickly now so it's, um, that'd it be an ideal spot, uh, like you said, under your roses while they're They're getting pruned and um, splash
2: of colour,
5: yeah. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely for
2: that. They'll fit in perfectly with the white allison, the yellow marigolds, and the basil. I'm leaning towards having basil in my rose garden because it will harbour the predators that will tackle chili thrips.
5: Yes, yes, definitely. We it's a line that. Um, and and yeah, you know, like you know, and as you mentioned, along with the marigolds and a, and certainly a few of these a few of these types of plants, it's always good to have that beneficial um, uh, plants there. As, as which which I, I think as we as we briefly mentioned uh, the other day, it's it's bringing in the beneficial. Predators, if we call yes. them that way, um, hopefully to, to knock off any chili thrip that that, that they might be sitting around the roses or, or any of the other plants that they uh, yeah. that they like to munch on. So it's um, cool, you know, it's like a, it's an eco friendly garden, isn't it? That's what we're we're trying to do.
2: That's mm. that's what we need to do, isn't it? A yep. Home for everyone: Definitely. the fungi, the insects, the birds, yep. and us.
5: Yes, yes, very important. Yes, it, it, it's protecting everybody, and uh, and and even even as as much as um, know people love to just sort of get out and spray, but look for the eco friendly sprays. Um, there's more and more of them coming on the market now. Yes, um, that are that are a lot well not only safer for humans, but particularly safer for our native uh, uh, fauna. Yes, uh, whether it's anything from bees to birds, or, uh, or as you mentioned, beneficial insects, we don't want to. Be the, um, the knocking them off, and, and when we're trying to just get rid of pests, so it's just a matter of being very careful on your selection, and, and read the instructions there, and 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 only follow the instructions. Don't dub, doubling up does not give you twice the kill. All it's going to do is just burn and create more problems. It'll burn the yeah. burn the plants and create additional problems. So as long as everybody follows the instructions correctly, it's uh, it works out easy.
2: Fantastic, mm. Trevor. Thank you very much. That gives our listeners a a job for the weekend and yep. get out there and enjoy it before the rains come again.
5: Yep. No, certainly. No worries.
2: Thank you very okay. much. Bye. Talk to you Bye. later. Thank Take care.
0: Thanks. 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 Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers.
5: Bye.
0: Yes, I do love my violas, so I might go and just splash a few around. Mm. Yeah, just for just for a little colour.
2: Mm. Ray, have we had a call this morning? No, Fay. <laughs> Uh, Hello, everyone out there in listener land.
0: You know what? You know what? I bet I know how to make the phones ring, actually. (laughs) Yeah, here we go. I've got a $75 gift voucher. Compliments of Kerry from Bigger Trees in Pickering, Brook. Now... Bigger trees are the leading providers of frangipanis, ornamentals and fruit trees, including an ever-increasing range of deciduous, evergreen, flowering and native trees, plus indoor plants, shade plants, you name it, they have it up there at the gorgeous Bigger trees up in Pickering Brook. Now, you must be a Curtin FM member. Not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. It's a $75 gift voucher. Now this is quite an easy two prong question because that's how John likes to do it. He he if he likes to complicate. Here is your question. What is the only edible bromeliad and where did it originate? What is the only edible bromeliad and where did it originate? 94841927. Must be a curtain FM member not to have won a prize in 28. Days.
2: And no, Roz, you can't pick up your phone and call now. Sorry. And actually I've
0: got a, got a message from Marjorie in Gwellop and she's thanking us for the book prize last week. Uh, she said it's a great motivation to garden. And she also mentioned, and I have heard of this, but I don't know, I haven't had, had any testimonials. There's a movie showing at the Palace Cinema at the moment called The Rosemaker. I'd love to know of anyone who's actually seen it and what they think of it, The Rosemaker. So that's... Uh would be wonderful to go and see as well.
2: Well, how did we not get I, details of that event? I've seen it.
0: I okay. saw on the Facebook, actually, I saw Melville Rose Nursery yes. were there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That w- that's something we would like to know more about for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. And can I butt in with flowers in the garden? Because yes, I'd love you to.
6: Yesterday when the dogs and I were sitting in the sunshine at my garden, I was thinking, look, my native garden, I've got so many colours because I've got orange and yellow and mm. pink and blue. And these are all things i bought at the Kings Park plant sales over the mm. last few months. And they yeah. are just blossoming all these beautiful own. native colours.
0: And, uh, well, the Kings Park Festival is coming up very soon and I think it will be absolutely it spectacular. Will be my goodness, yeah, yes, breathtaking. Making. Yeah, and yeah, they'll so, have a plant
6: sale in the middle of that as well. And uh-huh. you can buy native plants that grow in our gardens here in Perth. Yeah. And you don't have to prep the soil or anything.
0: And our so you can
6: hopeless, awful, terrible soil is perfect for these for wonderful these plants. native plants.
0: And, uh, yes.
6: People in other parts of the world are killing themselves trying to replicate our soil. And we're, <laughs> we're
0: trying to change we're our We're killing <laughs> ourselves trying to <laughs> replicate theirs. It's, it's always the way, isn't it? It you really what is. Got. But that's a great <laughs> testimonial that you have these plants. Uh, these plants growing these native plants growing and you just have bursts of color everywhere in your i garden. do wonderful
6: mm-hmm. bursts of color and i was just so much enjoying it
0: yesterday yeah it's exciting i felt like i'd come out of hibernation yesterday <laughs> i think a lot of people did i think a lot of te- we've all been a bit soggy right very yeah yes. yes and i've loved the fungi but you know it's yeah. time for some sunshine yeah it is it is yes. absolutely i agree
6: but can i mention that some fungi are weeds as well so, oh, yes. yes, please do. Because when we talk about all the different fungi and their different functions, we do have fungi that have come in from other places that are weeds. And particularly mycorrhizal fungi can be weeds because they come in with different trees that don't belong in our area. And a lot of people have been noticing this year at the Down South, we have the beautiful um, fairy tale mushroom, the red and white mm. one with the spots on so it. So pretty. They're mm. so pretty. And I say but the first time. But he's I poisonous, saw them, isn't he? <laughs> It's one of those shamanic mushrooms that, mm-hmm. you know, they used to drink the urine of the reindeer that had eaten the mushrooms oh, because it good. made them go
0: okay. off in the... Woo-woo. Yes,
6: woo-woo. Yeah. But we don't think it'll kill you, but it'll make you very sorry that you ate it. Yeah. So, but mm. in eastern Australia, we do have the death cap, and the death cap kills people who eat it quite quickly. What so, does that it, look like? Uh, looks like a perfectly innocent, nice little goldy-type fungus. Mm. So it does not say death cap all over it. It very <laughs> does much it have like a sign, a straw- flag,
0: <laughs> waving death <No>. cap. <laughs>
6: it looks like the straw mushroom. So every now and then we have in- incidents where some Chinese or Asian people will oh, pick them, good grief. C- cook them up for good their friends, grief. and then several people will die. Oh,
0: my God. Yes. Okay.
6: Yeah, they are serious. And 95% of people who are killed by a mushroom are killed by the death cap. Oh. And we don't have them in Western Australia yet. They're in Eastern Australia. They're on the Prime Minister's lawn. Oh, gosh. <laughs> as well as in the Royal Botanic Gardens in Melbourne. Wow. So they're quite well spread. And they partner with oak trees. Ah, so mycorrhizal well, fungus, so it's partnering with... We don't
2: with... have so many so oak trees. Mm. I understand, Roz, every bung, fungus is edible, once. Some yes. only once. <laughs> and always leave a sample beside your bed so the coroner oh, yeah. knows what. Well,
6: actually, I did this to my brother. I said, now, the thing that you do is you eat half of it and you leave half in the fridge with a note to say what you've eaten so that when you die, science is going to learn from it. And his wife came home and said, Mike, what have you been doing? <laughs> he said, that's what Ross
2: told me to do. So did said, he eat one?
6: He ate half of one. Oh, yes.
2: <laughs> it obviously wasn't.
6: No, it wasn't bad. But since then, we've decided that, look, it just isn't worth your life just for something that you could eat. It's better to enjoy them, photograph them, work out what they are. But if you want to eat them, grow your own. Now, Mm. grow your own. There's a um, burgeoning market where you can go and buy boxes of mushrooms and grow your own with the kids. It's great fun and um, highly successful. So I recommend that if you want to do that, go and grow your own.
2: Absolutely. Now, if mums see them growing on their lawn, they're worried about their kids and their dogs – What's, what's your advice there to... Well, to teach that... your
6: children that we look at those things and we don't eat them. Yes. I mean, we teach them not to eat leaves and plants and things because mm. a lot of them are poisonous. So you just teach them not to. Dogs generally won't even try and
2: eat those things because they don't smell edible to mm. the dogs. And so. what about identifying them? I've, I've seen a lot of people pushing over mushrooms just to get a photo of underneath. What's Well, the you're not actually there?
6: harming the mushroom too much. It's a bit like kicking an apple around. But if it's you know. not
2: mature... And if it's not mature, it's not going really, to have You're spores. aborting.
6: Yes. It's much better to use a little mirror hmm. and look underneath the fungus and you have to work out the art to be able to take a picture of the underneath of the fungus and the top of the fungus at the same time and not get all the people around in the photo as well because that's easy to do too. So it's quite an art to take a <laughs> oh, picture with the mirror.
2: <laughs> I think you've got it the other way around because I know when we were in Kings Park a couple of weeks ago, you actually angled the mirror and you got the whole group in pretty much. <laughs>
0: And we do have a winner uh, for our voucher, by the way, guys. We do have a winner. Okay, carry on.
2: Okay, do we know who the winner Not is? Not yet. Poor old, oh, okay.
0: poor Bev's out there being inundated with phone calls. Okay. And uh, so I just needed to throw that in so that I can slow down the phone calls so she can catch her breath.
2: Okay. And right. uh, another tip Roz gave us last week was she takes her cheese knife when she's going out. Looking at fungi, of course, she's a qualified mycologist, so she has permission to cut. Yeah, I have a licence so that I can actually collect fungi, particularly with ammonitis, which Lawton
6: studied. And so Lawton's idea was to go out with a cheese knife because... um, you don't look as threatening with a cheese knife, so a little old lady <laughs> with a cheese knife is opposed what A young man with a sort of knife for digging in the garden. So, yeah. so when he comes and says, "What are you doing?" <laughs> right. It's only t- I, I just, thought I'm a paté knife funky. would be pretty good too. <laughs> well, sometimes you have to dig quite a long way down.
2: Oh, okay, so mm. paté
6: knives are not long enough. The so cheese knives, you know, you need something strong and that you can dig a fair way down. Good. So I have been in New Zealand with part of school children. I have heard the voice going, get the lady with the cheese knife.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh, I think that's me. (laughs) It's very unique. Okay, guys, we'll be back in a moment. Okay.
3: 22
0: minutes after nine, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening. Jim Crinan will be in at 10am with the classic... 70s and then from 12 noon we go country with brendan t and born in boots i've actually got an email that came in yesterday from dimna wallace in kinross and it's a long email but to cut to the chase she has these ponytails and they're very very mature old if you like and one of them sprouted a flower and she feels that it's a unusual phenomenon and wanted to know if that was the norm, because they belonged to a friend of hers that passed away. And she thought it might have been, she said she's not spiritual, but she said it just seemed the timing of it uh, seemed to be um, in connection to that. And she's asking us, have we seen them flower? And she said, and when they do flower, they sprout so very quickly. Yes, they do.
2: And and, and yes, we have seen them flower. Wait, y- and sometimes they'll be pink, and sometimes they'll be white, and they last for a long, long time. They sure do. And once you you see one, you'll start noticing them everywhere. Yeah, uh, it it is quite common, and they are absolutely beautiful. And the bees just go nuts. Yeah, for have them. you got the photos there? Yes, oh, yes, okay. I have. So oh. it's just putting up its flower spike now. So oh, yeah, yeah, start looking around at all the ponytails. They're not a palm. Uh, I think they're. Scientific name is Bocanea, B-E-A-U-C-A-R-N-E-A. And the, and the flower's just a treat, isn't it?
0: Because it mm. lasts for so long. It's just spectacular. So, yeah. Another another phenomenon for the ponytail. Mm. Okay, now we do have uh, Maureen online. Let's head to Mandra. Good morning.
7: Oh, hello. Um,
4: I just re- uh, recently painted up a couple of great huge white foreign bean pots and I Googled to get um, a carpet rose, a ground cover carpet rose. And I came up with one, which is called Pink Splash. And it says it's an evergreen ground cover plant. Now, I tried to get it, but apparently they don't come over to WA. Um, so I have rung around, only to be told there's no such thing as a ground, uh, an evergreen one. And I'm just wondering whether...
8: You
2: girls knew anything about it? Mm, well, I don't really know of an evergreen rose in mm. our climate. Mm. Yeah. Perhaps where it's warmer, they may be evergreen. But because we get cold, wet winters, our roses go off and lose a lot of their leaves, if not sometimes all of them, and that's when we prune them.
7: Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. So, mm. I don't know that I can help you there, Maureen. I'm sorry. Okay. Um,
0: all right, then. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank Maureen. You. Cheers for that. Bye. And let's head to Menorah talking about deciduous trees. Sandy, good morning. Uh,
8: good morning.
0: Good morning to you.
8: I've um, a question about two types of trees that I have in my garden. One is the liquid amber, which is growing substantially high, and I will, it's, to me it's just too big to be in the back garden. I want to trim it back like give a serious tree do you think that would affect the growth of the tree or kill it or can i do that easily and the other tree is the red claret same
2: deal mm, uh the oh, gee if it is too big for the backyard i think the only choice that you do have is to to prune it to size yes, but okay it's not going to kill it it won't kill it uh it's okay. just about creating a nice shape. So but, uh, it, it might be a good idea to get the experience uh, of an arborist. Arborist, or,
8: I definitely would because it's too big for,
2: uh, you know, someone not to test it.
8: And I thought rather well, than you can see the shape of the tree, so it's better to cut it back about this time uh, of
2: year. Do you agree? Now, now's a perfect time for trimming back deciduous trees.
8: Wonderful. I to be here because my... And says, no, you're going
0: to kill it. So I thought, right, I'll ring the experts. And find so very much. <laughs> All right. Thanks, thanks for your call, Sandy.
3: Sandy. So much. Cheers. Okay,
2: bye. Bye. Ooh, it was a nasty line, wasn't it? It was a bit. We've also received an email from Andrea and she says, Good morning, Fain Ray. This fungi were growing in pine mulch on my front birch. Never seen them before and any idea what they are. Well, there we go, Roz. They're very orange
6: they're very orange it's a beautiful
2: colour mm. and there's a lot of them
6: so they look like mushrooms it's it really important with fungi to actually have a look underneath and show us a picture of does it have spore uh, pores i'm oh, sorry Yes, pores or gills. So does it look a sponge underneath or does it look like an ordinary mushroom bought from the supermarket or has it got little folds or has it got teeth underneath? Some of them have teeth. Good grief. Yes. So I need to know all those sorts of things to be able to work out what it is. I have seen this mushroom often before. And if you turn it over, it's got sort of grey-browny gills underneath it. We call them chip cherries. Or its scientific name is Leratomyces series, but I don't think any of you are going to remember that. So, chip cherries is what you can remember much more easily. It's a common mulch fungus. It's very pretty. Enjoy it. Um, Don't eat it because none of these mushrooms are worth eating. So, just don't do that. But just enjoy the lovely colours and they'll be gone very quickly. These mushrooms come up, they're gone within a few days. Oh, yes. But just enjoy the colour and the beauty when they're there. And they are breaking down the mulch. So mm-hmm. when you put mulch through your garden you're actually providing food for the decomposer fungi. Because you might think, I had put that mulch down two years ago and it's virtually all gone. But well, the whole point of it is to actually be recycled and provide food for your garden. Mm. So you're putting the mulch down not to be there as mulch forever, yeah. but to be food.
0: Mm. For your soil. Mm. For your soil. Yeah, absolutely. Now we do have a winner for our gift voucher from Pickering Brook. Michelle Manjute from East Cannington. Thank you for playing with us, Michelle, and we'll pop that voucher in the mail to you this week. Enjoy and do let us know actually what you get with that. Uh, We always love to hear. And the question was, what is the only edible bromeliad and where did it originate? Of course, the answer is the pineapple and it comes from South America.
2: Okay, so too easy. Now, back onto the, the subject of mulch and we've received an email from David. At this time of year, he's getting lots of weeds and unwanted plants coming up. He has a gravel driveway and a wide front verge where a lot of daisies and other weeds are coming through, which he wants to spray. He also lives next to a forest and gets visited by lots of 28s, doves, and many other wild birds that love to forage around the garden. The questions are, how would spraying affect the bird life? Would, be, would there be a chance of poisoning them? And is there a safe and effective weed spray that I could use? Mm, there's, there's a couple of things here and I do understand David's dilemma because the bigger your property is and the bigger the gaps between your plants, the more weeds you will have. Mm. So earlier in the program, I talked about our property and, and managing it. And initially, we brought in lots and lots of mulch and we planted plants and we mulched in between. As time goes on, the weed seeds blow in. Because there's mulch there, they're very easy to pull out. And now's the time to get out there and pull out as much as you can or if you've got big bare spaces, mow them down and then mulch on top. And you'll find that at this time of year, most of them don't have the energy to keep going. They, they'll complete their life cycle, but it's ideal to get them before they seed. If you are going to poison something, you would want to do it before it seeds because many birds come in and collect the seeds. So we don't want them eating poison seeds. There would be different poisons, and I'm no specialist on that. And, in fact, I've just had a company come in and, and spray my bindi and grass in our bush, and uh, we've used fuselade in the bush to get rid of the veltgrass and you. it only targets felt grass, nothing nothing else. So mm. it's quite easy to use. It's not nice to use it. No. But I know that it is what is often used in, in bushlands. Also
0: if, for cooch. Issues.
2: well cooch, mm. yes because it kills mm. the grass yeah.
6: um, and it's very good for veld grass because veld grass is a fire problem if once you've got velt grass well, and then that, you get a fire and then you get more veld yeah. grass you get more fire and it's uh, just a never-ending cycle yeah so, so I just looked grass. at
2: what what the problem was um, so David have a look at what your weeds are you may find that if you were to tackle this problem one of the best ways I find is to actually create your own carpet of something that's growing and I I I use nasturtiums yeah I was just going Mm. to say nasturtiums have gone very well last year they kept a lot of areas down Mm. uh, instead of having the wild oats I had nasturtiums this year I don't have as many nasturtiums I actually don't have as many weeds either but Ah. using a combination of mulch and living mulch or living plants to so that you don't have bare spaces And weeds will often come up where you're irrigating, Mm. particularly in summer. If you're irrigating and you've got bare patches, it's a perfect spot for weeds. So I, I think it's a combination of things, but you need to know what weeds you've got to spray them. If they're just little and green, sometimes just raking, going through with a hoe and turning it over. But yeah. I know the fungi won't like that. But if you but, just do
6: a top, a so, a, you know, just a top surface hoe, yeah. just get their weeds out, that's, yep. look, um, it's like, you know, moderation in everything, including moderation. Do mm. a bit of all sorts of different things. Yep. Just don't overkill on one thing. Yeah. So spraying kills the insects and the birds come for the insects to eat them as well. So, you know, if you can
2: avoid spraying at all costs, please do. Mm. And next year have a plan like mulch in autumn
6: mm-hmm.
2: and smother that area so there aren't the gaps for the weeds. And then to get there's in. so few weeds you can just pull them out by hand yeah. and it's not yep.
0: frightening the amount yep. you have to deal with.
2: All right let's head to Waterford. We're
0: chatting with Marlene. Good morning. Good morning. How I
8: how can a, we help? I have a question about my kumquat tree. It's about three meters high and it's in the ground. And this year it's got a lot of fruit, but all the leaves have died off. It looks odd. It looks really not very well. And uh, I just
2: wonder whether should I take all the fruit off? Or... Uh, when when you say all the leaves have died off, uh, have, have they changed colour or are they? No, they're virtually gone. The leaves have all fallen off. It's just scraggy. Okay, I certainly would take the fruit off. It sounds like it may have suffered a trauma. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been happy. Uh, something's happened with the roots. It's they've either been disturbed or fertilizer burn that can defoliate a tree. The fruit will be taking goodness out of what's whatever's there, at the expense of the tree. So get rid of the fruit. And then watch for signs of regrowth quite often if you just mm, don't look at it for a little while as long as it's getting enough water you'll find new new shoots coming back but also investigate what's going on in the pot is it a case of perhaps the whole the drainage hole in the bottom is blocked and no, it's the, it's in the ground. Uh, in the ground, okay. Right. Has anything been dug up around it? No, but actually, I've had a chilli thrip in my roses, and
8: there's a rose bush near it. Would that would chilli thrip go into the
2: quad? Well, citrus was one of the things that uh, chilli thrip can target. But I don't think you would lose all your leaves because of it. I think you would see signs of of your leaves. Yeah, you, there'd be evidence on the leaves before they all got lost. When, yeah. when did it lose all its leaves?
8: Well, it's a couple of months now, I mean maybe six weeks, two months, once the fruit all took over really, you know, profusely. And um, I did give it quite a big fertilise. Maybe I did over-fertilise it about six weeks ago.
2: So I think that's what's happened. I think it's (laughs) defoliated because of fertiliser burn. Take all the fruit off and pray. (laughs) (laughs) I've got rid of my chili drip and the roses, so I'm quite
8: happy about that. I think the rain and, and the combination of spraying has, I think, got rid well, of the chili I, drip in all my roses.
2: And I don't think you'll see evidence of them now because it's not their favourite time. If they're going right. to appear, I think it'll be probably October onwards. Mm. You just have mm. to keep an eye on everything. Yeah, just, okay. yeah, for sure. And plant some beneficial plants around that will bring in. Your good bugs. White alism will help support your lace wings, just for starters. There's lots of other right. things, but white is right. a very, very good companion plant. Right. Okay. I've got some white allisum in, in pots, actually, which is, you know, in,
8: so
0: I can move them around.
8: Okay. All right. Thank you very much for that. You're Thank welcome, you. Marlene. Enjoy your show. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.
0: Cheers for that. And Brian of Calamunda phoned in and he said a great mix to repel bugs uh, that won't hurt wildlife birds is white vinegar, Epsom salts and a small amount of liquid detergent.
2: That's true. And that Mm -hmm. reminds me of uh, the OCP slasher, which is another one that will, it'll burn off the tops and Mm. you'll see those results. Interestingly, you instantly It also smells like salt and vinegar, like Mm. a fish and chip Mm. shop. Um, Be careful not to get it on your other plants because it can harm them.
0: Yeah. I use Slasher if I have to. Yes. Okay. 94841927. Okay, back to business. So, Ros, you've got some more
6: stats for us there too. I do too. That? So when you're asking me how many species of fungi we have got in Western Australia, the honest answer is we haven't a clue. <laughs> yeah. But we think that we will have at least 10 times as many as the number of plants we have. Now, in wow. Western Australia, we have an extraordinary number of plants, far more than many other places. So if we've got 15,000 species of plants, that looks like 150,000 species of fungi, wow. of which I've told you we've got names for... According to Fungi Map 500 odd. According wow. to Neil in Kings Park and Bowl Park, 600. So we've got a long, long way to go. So young people out there, we need mycologists. We need mm. people who are interested in fungi, would like to study fungi and come and work on this very interesting facet with us. It's an interesting do, field, isn't it? It's a very mm. interesting field and mm. it's a, too neglected at the moment. Do you do talks at schools, Ros? I have done at the local school for kids, but I tend mm. not to do schools mm. en masse. I just, I tend to, I'm busy writing the book. I know, I know. (laughs) And then we're going to have workshops once we've written the book because the book, Fungi for Land, is going to be how to incorporate fungi into your garden, Mm. your farm, your bushland, all the different areas. Fungi go everywhere, all over the planet. So, you know, all spaces we can put fungi into them. So it's really teaching people to think fungi. So that's what we have to do. Think fungi matter, and you have to think so that you're not damaging the fungi. Like we. No, I don't want to spray. No, I don't want to dig. Even in my local park, walking the dogs this morning, there's branches have dropped on there. I'll just pick them up and put them under the trees as part of the mulch. Yes. Whereas the council will come up and clean, clean up all. all those leaves. I yeah. mm. go and put them somewhere and mulch them and I am going. they can just, it's like a forest. Just pop them under the trees, mm. somewhere people won't trip over them.
2: Am I correct in thinking most
6: schools have got bushland attached to them? Quite a number do, mm. yes, which that is happens. really good for kids. Yes. Yeah, and certainly, sure. you know, when I've got kids in the family associated with things like that, I've been involved in their bushland mm. doing things like that. But lots of parents can learn to do that because it's a wonderful way to be involved with your children and the school and the bushland.
2: Yes. And of course, there many organisations have uh, little challenges or I know iNaturalist have Quest A Game and yes. that encourages just gives
6: kids things to look for. I mm. mean, peacock spiders is the thing to start looking for from now on. They are so tiny, and kids have got the good eyes to see these beautiful little peacock spiders. Mm. I found one in my backyard in Shetton Park. So mm. they're there. Have a look in your own backyard. What's they it called so again? Peacock
2: spiders. Peacock. Oh, Because yes, they're yes, beautiful, yes. like a peacock. So, mm. so peacock jumping spiders. Mm. Yes. And it's smaller than your half of your little fingernail. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so
6: kids can find them so well. But what I would like to talk about is iNaturalist because now that the fungi the fungi season is drawing to a close now, so we will still find some some fungi around, but nowhere near the numbers we were finding before. So go and have a look at your photos because you can put your photos into iNaturalist later on, and that's what I tend to do now. Rather than when I first started, I would find a fungus, then oh, get out my phone, take the photo, put all the information into iNaturalist, and it took a lot of time. So mm. now I've learnt take the photo on my Put it in my photo gallery, and then when I get home, have a cup of tea, be nice and dry, and sit down and put the photos mm. into iNaturalist. So
0: now, yeah, how long does the funky season go for? In Perth,
6: it's roughly from the first rains to the end of July. Okay. So the first rains used to occur in April. Then they came there. Sometimes they were only in June. Mm, so we're about a month
0: behind, aren't we?
6: On the calendar, we can mm. be so. It, it's a bit like the Aboriginal seasons. We yeah. just have to adapt and see what's going on. Yeah, like and the and Aboriginal at jubilee s- is just yeah. starting now, and that's when the funky season finishes. Okay, so. So what we're wanting people to do now is have a look at your photographs, put them onto iNaturalist. Now, please, hopefully, several photos of the same fungus and top and bottom, because we really can't identify things knowingly without having a picture of the bottom of of the fungus as well as as the top. And don't just pull it out of the soil. Much better to just use a mirror. And Mm. there's a lot of information we get by seeing where the fungus was. Was it on wood? Was it on sand? Yeah. Things like mm. that. That's all part of the information of working out what they were. Yeah. So, citizen scientists out there, we need your help. We yeah. have got to convince politicians and people who look after our bushland, and teach them about our biodiversity is really important. Yeah. And we can do that ourselves now with our smartphones and our naturalists.
0: We can do so much more than we, we sure could ever can. do before. Yeah, no, wonderful. Okay, we do have to go to a quick break. When we return, we're chatting with Elaine, Sandy, and Linda. Curtain Radio We appreciate your company this morning. This is Let's Talk Gardening. And I just received an email about the Rosemaker movie from Karen in Lansdale. Thank you for sending it in. And she's saying that she really enjoyed it. There was a couple of themes running through it. The importance of nurturing both children and flowers to ensure they grow and grow up successfully. Single-minded determination is laudable, but sometimes a reassessment is more beneficial. Engaging characters and good acting. So thanks for that. That's a great testimonial for the movie The Rosemaker from Karen in Lansdale. Appreciate very, very much. We're heading straight out to the lines. We're in Thornley. Elaine, good morning. Yes, good morning. How's it going? Uh, Not too bad. It's a lovely day today. It really is. Tell us about your apple tree and a sweet potato question.
9: I have a maypole apple tree. I've had it for some years in my back garden. And um, I've noticed that, On the main branches, there's a lot of little finger-length branches. And what I was wanting to know is if I were to trim a few of those off,
2: um, would it affect the tree or should I just leave them? I would uh, cut out anything that is very thin and can't support fruit to tidy up the tree. And because it's lost all, it would have lost all its leaves by now, it's a perfect time to do it. Some of the stone fruit, as well as apple trees, are starting to flower now. And when they flower, you can work out where your fruit is going to be. So you can make sure that you're, you're reducing the size of the plant so that you can manage it. You might want to put a fruit fly net over it. So that's one good reason for pruning. And anything that can't hang on to a fruit. Because if you imagine an apple developed on one of those little branches, it wouldn't support it very well. It wouldn't be strong enough to hold it. So for that reason, get rid of it. And that way you'll be encouraging the energy in the plant to go into to fruit that it can support. Oh, good. So now is the time to do yes. it. Yes. Now's okay. a good time. Good. The other
9: um, is the sweet potato. I had a sweet potato that was starting to sprout, so I planted it. And it's running all over the place. But my question is, does it root from the runners and you get the sweet potatoes or just from the main um, one that
2: I planted, the tuber that I planted? Mm. Very good question. Often the the tubers will develop... At the original main plant. So in order to get more tubers, and I looked into this a couple of weeks ago and I took cuttings the other day. I took cuttings that were about 15 centimetres long, stripped off the lower leaves, two nodes went into water and two nodes above the water. And once they develop shoot um once they develop roots. I will plant them about 20 centimetres apart in the garden and that will give me more tubers developing than one planted running along the ground. Oh, okay, yes, because the the um, runners just haven't sort of rooted no. at all and they're going all over the place. So, But, Elaine, another thing you can do is go along with a sharp shovel and just cut, cut, cut. So everywhere right. you sever the vine it should reshoot and hopefully you feed them up and they'll develop over the warm months.
9: Oh, that's a great idea. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Thank you. Cheers.
2: Bye
0: Bye for now. now. And we're heading to Rockingham. Elaine, good. no, sorry, Sandy, good morning. Hi, Sandy. Hi.
7: Um, Yes, sorry, this is the first time I've ever rung up. I've listened but haven't rung up. But um, I'm in a village and got a very small garden out the front, and I just want natives. Um, I did ask my uh, the village gardener to trim my bottle box for me, but he ax, um, he mutilated it. Oh dear. And he dug other plants and out, and uh, he chopped up some of the little ones and that's, so I don't know whether they're going to survive. But I thought, um, what sort of plants would you recommend? What that small natives would you recommend? Because um, I love um, Geraldton wax, but I'd have to keep it cut back, wouldn't I?
2: Well, you can get some small Geraldton wax. Uh, Kangaroo paws would make a beautiful addition. Uh, I like plants that flower at different times of the year. So you might go out over three or four different seasons and and buy plants that will flower year round. You can get some beautiful wattles and that will give you some winter blossom uh some of the grasses the strappy green leaves the lamandras and dianellas they look good all year round uh and the, the actual wattle that would that uh, i've been told um geraldton
7: wax and wattle and that that they attract ants is that true or not
2: well sometimes ants will come for something else so there are, there are There's a little wattle called Prickly Moses, Acacia pulchella, and that sometimes gets little hoppers on it, and the hoppers have little horns on their head, and they're green, and they camouflage with the the stem of the plant. Now, if I see ants patrolling a wattle, I look to see what they're after. So they might be milking the honeydew off the hoppers. So, oh, God, okay. So, you know, all ants aren't bad. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know that they particularly encourage or attract them, but ants do like sweetness, so it, it's possible. Yeah. So um, so maybe just stick to things like
7: the Geraldton wax. um...
2: Oh, what's that other one? The one that, uh, Veronia. Oh, oh good luck with that. Beautiful. The hardy the things would be Dinellas, and they will bring in your blue-banded bees. Kangaroo oh. paws will bring in your birds. Put a bird bath in there as well put in a log i actually got one out the back but um, unfortunately i can't lift it and haven't got anyone to oh no you need another one don't move the one you've got go and get another one and head out to different nurseries and and buy a few things that are in color now and that gardener i don't think i'd let them back into the garden not without some stern words and believe me anyone that comes to do anything on my property they they're told that i'm a fussy gardener and yeah. this is what they have to be careful of. it was just
7: um i i couldn't uh, reach sort of thing um to trim it myself and uh um the old body's not what it used to be and uh yeah so
2: uh, you need to find the right person and we have to move on but thank you so much for Thank calling you. for the first time, Sandy. Yes.
7: Okay, and I'll continue to listen and hopefully learn. Okay. Thank you.
2: Cheers okay. for that.
7: Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye.
0: Okay, short break. When we return, we're chatting with Robert and Linda. Catching Radio. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening. Special guest this morning, mycologist Roz Hart. And we did have a call uh, for you that has dropped out, if they can ring back, we'll certainly try and get you to air straight away. We are in Mandurah. Robert, good morning.
1: Oh, good morning. Um, I, I, I rang this morning because I've been a bit, bit concerned about all the white snails I have in my garden. What is there around that I can, well, spray them with to or diminish? Yes.
2: Right. I suspect that they are probably the introduced white Italian snails, Robert, and they're they're quite small and often you'll see them harbouring or overwintering on fence posts. Um, I tell you what, the the native reptiles love them. I I sometimes find piles of the shells in the bush and um, I know they've been food for something else. Now, because they're quite small, crushing up a snail bait can help. Mm. and probably outsmarting them by creating a trap. So it might be a piece of polystyrene pipe or it might be a saucer. Sometimes they'll shelter under that and then you can trap them and then dispose of them.
1: Oh, goodness, yeah. Okay, there's no spray or that that I can use.
2: They won't
0: walk over copper. They don't like copper spray. Okay. That there's a flip side to that. Faye they won't like you spraying <laughs> copper. However, they don't like it.
1: Mm. Yeah, right. Um, okay. So you no, need to it. outsmart
2: them. You need to work out where it is and and.
1: Oh goodness, yep. I, I rang the ag the ag department in Perth and they've. Um, I was told that there's no spray that will kill them. There's no bait that I can bait them with. You know, and they're now starting to. Yeah.
2: Okay. So yeah. next thing, my next solution, Robert, is to go out there and any you find, you pick off, and what you oh, will be doing tiny. is you'll be mm. interrupting their breeding cycle. Yeah, so right. it's that's your mission. Okay.
1: Okay. Well, I, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. All
0: right. Okay. Thanks. Cheers. Bye cheers now, for them. And Rosemary of Rose Central Mandra, Does that sound right? Is it the right time
2: to top dress Cooch mm. lawn? Well, do you know, 20 years ago or 30 years mm. ago, top dressing was all the rage. Now it's more about filling in the divots so mm. you can get your lawn mix. I don't think I would do it just yet. Like Trevor said, we think the, the weather's going to bounce around a bit. The lawn's not moving. So it, would, it wouldn't benefit it would benefit at the moment but in another month, I would get some lawn top dress mix and I would just fill the divots in your lawn and rake it over with a mm. spreader so that it's nice and even. At that time, well, there's goodness in that. So that will help kick it along. But you really need the warmth.
0: Yes, yeah, so give it another mm. month.
2: And Elaine
0: of Rockingham has a poinsettia and it's wind damaged. Is it too early to
2: prune it? Oh, I think I would just watch and see what it does. Like Chris Oliver says, let it do its thing. Yes, I think it is too early. It's still too cold. Mm. Let's wait a good month. Okay, mm. thank you. Okay. Now, I'd like to acknowledge the flood of emails that have come in because yeah, I don't yeah. think we're going to get to them today. So Jenny uh, writes in with a photo. It's either snowflakes or snowdrops. So I'll probably come back to that next week. Cheryl wants to say a big thank you for the voucher to Bigger Trees that she won last week. She visited the nursery and loved browsing around. She said it was beautiful. She's chosen three grevilleas and couldn't resist a tract plant. I fully understand wow, that. Yes. So thank you again and a huge thanks for your great show. There's an email that came in in a different way and wants to know if fungi are beneficial to bandicoots and are there fungi that we should be encouraging for bandicoots. So, Ros, hold that thought. Julie and Steve sent in a photo. This is a brag photo of their pineapple that they've grown. Uh, cut off the top from IGA 20 months ago. And they loved the show too. Roz asked about a blueberry. It looks really healthy. It's putting on new good shoots. Don't worry about the damaged old ones. That'll come good. And there's one last email Joanne sent in a few photos of beautiful fungi so thank you for
0: wow okay big show today lots of information covered is there anything else that Roz you'd like to add before we sign off?
6: bandicoots and fungi go together like hands in glove <laughs> bandicoots eat truffles and our australian truffles are for marsupials not for human consumption but bandicoots love truffles
0: Mm. Okay.
2: Thank you so much today, Roz. I'm I'm so pleased that we had a good amount of time to have a great discussion. We did, and hopefully we've opened a lot of people's eyes and keep them looking for fungi because it's and been put a your your photos bump. onto iNaturalist. Please. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Thanking the
0: team, Bev Daring, John Glidden, and my gardenism for the morning is look deep into nature, and you will understand everything better. Jim Crinan, classic sixties is the next. Happy gardening, everyone. And Jim will be actually hosting uh, Let's Talk Gardening next Saturday on my behalf. So thank you, Jim. Yeah, he's already having a heart attack. No, no, no. uh, If I can do it, (laughs) I won't go there. All right, everyone. Take care. Till then. Ciao, ciao. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.